But I think there's something happens when men gather together and worship the Lord. And I think it's, it's also true when men gather together to hear um, just kind of away from the gals, just kind of have our, our, our perspective kind of realigned and just going, God, what would you say to us as men? And so that's, that's my prayer this, this day, that, that we, we would be here to hear the voice of God and that God would, would speak loud and clear to each of our lives. Um, this morning, our first speaker is Pastor Pancho Juarez from Juarez. No, he's not. He, he didn't want to tell you guys. You seen his last night? He had a broken hand. He was trying to mess with me. I just armbarred him. I, I, I think he's here somewhere. All right. Would you give Pastor Pancho a warm Calvary Chapel welcome? Three, four, right, right on, brother. Don't touch me like that. Thank you, man. Thank you. Good morning. Wow. How many know Ibo Elder? Go, you know, two weeks ago, him and I, you know, we were just talking and we were arguing a little bit. And then he got up and he goes, what's up? There was no time. I said, when he said, what's up? I went, wow. That was it. So you will not hear Ibo Elder for the next two months, okay? Because this is it right here. Nah, I fell down, man. I fell down, and uh, it's, uh, I'm at that age right now where I fell down. No, I tripped, man. I tripped, and because uh, in L.A., everybody's tripping, if you know what I mean. I don't know what that sounds coming from, brother, but it ain't me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Let's pray. Father, we pray that this church gets a good sound system. We pray, Father, that you be with us in all seriousness. Be with these men. Bless their homes. Bless their marriages, the children, their station in life, but most importantly, their private lives. Lord, our private lives, Father, it's a, it's a, it's a chamber of our own world. Sometimes even our own spouses do not enter into this private world. May you now, as we give you permission to enter into this chamber that sometimes is full of shame, of weakness and embarrassment. It's a chamber that no one knows. That's the inner personal life, the private life of each individual. We all have external lives, but it is the inner world, our private world, that we have to deal with every single day. And if that inner world is not in good hygienic work in order, it will affect our outside world. Lord, that world, that private world, can only be governed and invaded by the Holy Spirit. Nothing else. So, Father, may you remind us as we open your scriptures, speak to us as we're gathered here together as men. And being real, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. As you know, when we begin to read the gospel of Jesus Christ and we begin to see that Jesus comes to that place on the Passion Week, which begins on Palm Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, it is that Thursday night, that Thursday night before Good Friday, 
where Jesus says, I will not leave you alone. I will not leave you as orphan. And that's where we get our word in English from the Greek word orphanos. But orphanos does not mean uh, a child without parents. The word orphanos means uh, the inability to be comforted by, by the most important people in your life as a child. The most important people that can comfort you as a child would be your mother and your father. I want my mommy. I want my daddy. And that's what it means, orphanos. Without being comfortable or content or embraced by, by, the, by the best two important people in your life when you're a child. He called them little children. Remember, that's a term of endearment that Jesus would use. Little children. And he looked at these grown men as little children. He said, little children, I'm not going to leave you alone. But I will pray to my father that he will give you another comforter. And the word we find, parakletos. That's the word. Two words. Para means alongside. Like a parasite, a paramedic, like a, a paralegal or a parasite. Or a pair of pliers. No, no, not, not a pair. <laughs> but, so, he has been speaking about this. And he says, and he begins to explain to them, there in the upper room discourse, which is in John chapter 14, and then 15, and 16. In those three chapters, there's a great conversation that is not recorded in the other, the other what we call synoptic gospels. What, what does synoptic means? Well, what is a symphony? A symphony is many instruments in harmony. And so Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all in symphony. They're all in harmony. John is the only one that is not in harmony because he's the oldest one, the only apostle that, that, that died a natural death. And so John begins to write the gospel he wrote it with, with much more ap apologetic sense, meaning defending the gospel. So he spends more time. He dedicates uh, chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Five chapters he dedicates it for, for that conversation, that personal intimate conversation that took place in the upper room. He says, I have many things to share with you. He says, but you cannot able to understand them now. He says, but when the Comforter, the Holy Spirit come, He will guide you. He will teach you. He will comfort you. He will lead you into all things. And above all, He says, you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. They still didn't understand it. In Luke chapter 24, Luke writes there that, that, that Jesus is, is ascending to heaven. And as he's ascending to heaven, he tells them, listen, when the promise of my father comes, wait. The word is tarry, T-A-R-R-Y, tarry. That's an old English word that we don't use anymore. But that means hang tight. That's what it means, hang tight. So hang tight in Jerusalem. Now, a little basic math. I'm speaking to leaders here. You, you know this. How many days was Jesus on the earth after the resurrection? Forty. Correct. Good answer. Forty. Now, so he tells them to wait for the promise of the Father in Jerusalem, in the upper room. And there in chapter 1 of, of Acts, Acts, the author of the book of Acts is who? Luke. Here we go again. So it's, he just follows it. So in the book of, of, of Acts, the first chapter is like picking up where chapter 24 of Luke ended. And there... 
we are told that once again, he says, listen, he says, uh, they asked him, is this is the end? He says, it's not for you to know the end of the times, what's going on. It's not for you to know. He says, but when the Holy Spirit come, you shall become witnesses, marturos. And the Holy Spirit will endow you with power from on high. But go and tarry and wait for the promise of my Father. Again. So, we know in Scripture, Acts chapter 2, that the Holy Spirit came, just as Jesus would say, on a very special day. What day was that? Come on now. Pentecost. Now, when we think of Pentecost, sometimes we think Pentecostals. No, 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 no. The word Pentecost basically means 50. 50. That's what it means. You see, it was an agriculture feast. So that tells me that it is 50 days after Passover. So if Jesus appeared on earth after the resurrection 40 days, how many days did they have to wait for the Holy Spirit? 10. Right on. So... There, we are told, there are 120 believers. Uh, they were praying, but they were hiding out of, out of phobia and terror because uh, everything was lost. Their hero has been decimated, crucified like a common thug. He was gone. And the two ladies come back. We've seen Jesus. He rose from the dead, and they ignore her. But Peter and John, they run. They, they run. And John and Peter run, and sure enough, uh, Jesus is not there. And they go back, and then they realize that everyone knows that there's, there's something going on. And they understood what he said. So he appeared to them for 40 days. So when he ascended into heaven, he told them, Wait. So here they are waiting 10 days. For 10 days they've been praying, obedient to God. He didn't tell them when. Next week, two weeks, a month, 10 years, when? But we know it was the day of Pentecost, which meant there were a lot of people in Jerusalem. There were a lot of people from different parts of the known world at the time. See, the lingua franca, or the common tongue, was Greek. In the world of history of mankind, there's only been three lengua francas. First one, when I mean lengua franca, means the coming tongue. You can speak your own native language, but if you want to get into the language of banking, commerce, trading, you have to learn the language. And that was Greek. Which, what other language do you think came? The second one, it was the lengua franca. Latin. Latin. And then the other one now is... What do you think it is today? English, baby. English. And don't take pride of it because that's not our language either. That's the British people. So it's just us Americans go, speak English like us. No, speak English like the British, fool. <laughs> We're not British. It's the United States, just like Mexico. They speak, they, they speak Spanish because Spain came in. We speak Spanish. We're not, we're not Spaniards like some of you are here. There's a lot of you Spaniards. At least you fake it that you're Spaniards. <laughs> I wouldn't know. And so, there were so many people from different nations. The Holy Spirit came. 120 people. 
In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, we are told, and you need to know this, we are told that even the mother of Jesus, the Virgin Mary, was there with 120 people. That's the last time we hear of the mother of Jesus. We don't see her in the rest of the book of Acts. We don't see her in the epistles. We don't see her in the book of Revelation. We don't see her at all. So when, anyway, that's another subject. I don't want to get into it. That's my area. That's, 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 I deal with my neighborhood with that. But the Holy Spirit came. Now you remember how Peter was when we saw him. And at the end of the Gospels, we see a very broken Peter, don't we? We see a Peter that, that the Bible says that he wept sorely. That's the King James. He wept sorely. King James Version. But what does that mean? He, he just basically wept uncontrollably of shame. Why? Because the very writer Luke tells us what the other writers don't tell us. When Jesus told him that the rooster will crow a third time, you will know that I shared this with you. And so Luke tells us that when, when Peter denied Jesus on that night, and he heard that, oh, 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 the Bible says that Jesus was in the court, handcuffed. And when he heard, he took a look at Peter. Like telling Peter, I told you, man. I told you. And imagine and think about as a man. You know you're bad. You're big. You got muscle strength. You got all the constitution that constitutes what it is a man. You're bold, muscle strength, muscle mass. And you're ready to get down, but you realize that inside of you, you're weak. And Peter went out and wept. There was another man who betrayed Jesus. He also was bitterly wetful, but he went and did the unthinkable. To eliminate his pain, he went and committed suicide. Whereas Peter was just beyond himself. And then when the Holy Spirit came, who became the spokesman of 120 people? Peter. The Bible says, now Peter, full of the Holy Ghost... Because when the mighty rushing wind and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit came upon the people, it would be something to see. What a spectacular, supernatural phenomena to be there. And we know exactly what time of the day. What time was it? What time? Orale. It does say it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Why? Because as people, they were cut off, they were speaking, and, and they were speaking in, not in gibberish. They were speaking in a known native language. They were not speaking gibberish. Today in some churches in East L.A., I don't know about here, but in East L.A., there's some churches, man, that, 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 that they think they're speaking in tongues, and, and they're not. They just sound like a machine gun. And I'm thinking, you know, what are you saying? It's out of order. The Bible says that, that all 120 of them begin to speak in different dialects. The word in the Greek is called glossalalia, which means our English word glossary. And what is glossary? It's where you look for words. So glossalalia means they, 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 they were not gibberish. And the reason we know that because it was a feast and there were many men in Jerusalem at the time. So when they heard the commotion, 
They heard something supernatural. They heard something happening. So the Bible says it was such a spectacular manifestation that it was so curious that men went up to the upper room to see what is going on up there. And when they entered that room, they saw 120 men and women all praising God. And the Bible says it looked like they had tons of fire on top of them. And then the Bible says that the people that were there, there were many people from Egypt. There were many people from, from, from ancient Turkey. There were different people from Crete. There were people from Babylonia. They were, and they were all saying, we understand them for they're speaking my language. There were people from Elam. There were people from Phrygia. There were people from Greece. And they had certain dialects. And the Bible mentions all the dialects. There are over 20, 22 dialects. So they were not speaking gibberish. The people, for example, if I go to Russia, listen, if I go to Russia and I go to a meeting, in a prayer meeting in Russia, in rural Russia, in rural Russia, and people start praying and I walk in there and they start saying, Padre, te damos gracias, Señor. They're Russians. Gracias, Señor, por todo. Órale, Simón, órale. <laughs> and I'm thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, where am I at? This is Russia. And they're speaking Spanish. How do I know? I speak Spanish. And won't that be a mind blower? Well, why? They're speaking Spanish. And then after they finish praying, I go, hablo en español. Órale. You were just speaking Spanish right now. Oh, I, I don't know what I was saying. You were saying, praise be to God. You were saying, thank you, Lord, for your promises. You were saying that. Oh, uh, oh no, no. No, Americansi. No, no, no. No, no, Americansi. Mexicansi. No, no, Mexicansi. Oh, Wouldn't that blow your mind? That's exactly what happened. The power of God came upon the church. And ever since then, the church has never been the same. Let me give you, let me give you a little bit of, of uh, let me give you a little bit, if I may, um, just a, something that a, a man wrote. But I want to direct to you personally, directly, to two scriptures, to Ephesians chapter 6, and then we go to Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Because I want to put a personal application here. Now, in the upper room discourse, we find that Jesus told his disciples, he says, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, your anointing, your forgiveness, your joy, your peace. Lord, there are some here, and I know they are. There are some men here who have trouble reading. Just like me, I really didn't know how to read very well. I pray that tonight, today, that your overwhelming power will envelop them and that you will give them the ability and the desire to engage themselves in knowing how to read proficiently in whatever area of our lives that uh, they're out of control. We pray, Lord, that you subjected under your own government of your Holy Spirit 
upon each and every one of us. Teach us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Our writer said this, As Christians, we understand that salvation is not a matter of earning God's favor by our own effort. Rather, it is trans transferring our trust from what we can do to get ourselves to heaven to what Jesus Christ has already done. Yet the same scripture that tells us that we are not saved by good works tells us that we are saved to do good works. Right there in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 10 says, For you were not saved by good works, but by the grace of God. And then the next verse says, And God saved us so you can do good works. Oh, man. So we're not saved by good, but we got to do good works. That's right. So we were saved. That we are a craftsmanship, that we are his craftsmanship for good works. Therefore, the moment you get saved, there's a lot of manifestations that take place the moment you get saved. One of them, the Bible says that your heaven is written where? In the Lamb's Book of Life. That all of a sudden your sins are forgiven. Though we don't see it and we don't feel it, the Bible says that although your sins are like scarlet, they're now as white as wool, as white as snow. We don't see that. We don't see it. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes in you. Not upon you yet. We see in the Bible a, 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 another manifestation after you receive the Lord. And there's a lot of controversy with many churches. They believe that once you receive the Lord, the whole enchilada comes down. But that's not what the Bible says. That's not what happened here. It's all over the book of Acts. You look at chapter 8. The Bible says that the gospel went to Samaria and there was great joy in the city. There in, in Acts chapter 8 verse 8 says there was great city in Samaria. Samaria was a combination of Las Vegas and Tijuana and Juarez put together. It was like wicked. There was a horrible division of hate between the Jew and the Samaritans, linguistically, culturally, historically, theologically, dietary, everything. And yet the Bible says because there was persecution, the church ran everywhere from Jerusalem, and one person that ran, ran to Samaria, and it was Philip. Philip took the gospel. The Bible says, man, that people were getting saved left and right. There was a great revival, and they had to send two apostles Peter and John, to authenticate and verify that it was a revival. And when they saw it, the Bible says that Peter and John lay hands over all the believers so that the, that the Holy Spirit may be received because they had only been baptized. It was so fantastic because we have the recording of one magician guy by the name of Simon the sorcerer. The Bible says that he was considered a god by the rich and the lowest people there in Samaria because of his wizardry and all the peyote that he had because he was, he was into witchcraft. He was a sorcerer. Sorcerer used, they used potions and they used mushrooms and they used powder and they smoked it, they snorted. It, and it hasn't changed. And people considered him a god. But when he heard the gospel, the Bible says he believed. And after he believed, he was baptized. And then he walked with Philip, ministering like in his little crusade. So he was walking around. So when Peter and James came, 
The Bible says that, that, that James, James and John, forgive me, not James, James and uh, Peter, they put hands over the believers. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what happened. But if a magician, if a magician with the stature of Simon, if the magician said, trip out, wow, it must have been something exciting to the point where a magician went up to Peter and he says, can I buy that? Thinking it was some kind of magic. Can I buy that? And Peter, homeboy, went off on him. He went off on this dude. Can I buy that? And I can see Peter. Not the weak Peter that we met at the end of the Gospels. The Peter full of the Holy Spirit. He says, you have no part in this thinking you can buy the power of God with money. He says, for you have no part in this thing. What? I mean, Simon could have said, hey, I got baptized. I believe in God. I'm walking with Philip. He could have said that. He says, for I see by bitterness. And there's something in your heart that you're not right with God. That's what you call a word of knowledge. And Simon said, please pray for me that those things you said will not happen to me. We don't know what happened to, to Simon. But we, I presume because of his humility, he says, pray that those things that you're saying. So Peter was able to see. And, and because of the story of Simon, we know that the subsequent uh, manifestation that the Holy Spirit had not come. We have other, in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, the same thing happened in his household. And then you look over there to Acts chapter 18, we see that happening again. It's, a, it's called the upon experience. So what happened there in the book of Acts chapter 2, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit came. When the Holy Spirit came, the Bible says that people were different. The author goes on to say, to put it another way, the God who has saved us from the penalty of sin now intends to transform us, to remove the sinful habits and selfish attitudes in our lives so that we can become more like His Son, Jesus Christ. To accomplish this goal, God has not left us alone to live the Christian life in our own strength. He says, actually, that would be impossible. Can you say amen to that? Amen. There's certain things that, that we as men, because we are men of nature, we are men of attitude, we depend on our own wits, we depend on our own history, we depend upon our own culture, we depend upon our genetical code, we depend on how or where we're from, we depend on what level of, level of social stature you're in, we depend upon all those things. Someone said, hey, everything walks, you know, but money talks. That's not the way they say it, but <laughs> you got money, you got honey. Money can't buy you love. You have money to buy the best mattress in the world, whatever it is, whatever kind of mattress you can buy, but you cannot buy sleep. There's certain things that money cannot buy. There's certain connections you cannot get. I mean, think of this, and I think, and my heart went out. I, I began to pray for him because I, he was uh, on, the, on, the, um, on the front cover of Time, Time or Week, Newsweek magazine, and that is uh, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Steve Jobs. What a fantastic mind. 
Homeboy created this, the iPad. He created so many things. He's a billionaire. But the money cannot help him. He's dying slowly, miserable death. My friends, there's certain things in life that we cannot do. There are things that it's impossible for us to change. I'm an alcoholic, man. I've been drinking since I was 10 years old. I don't think I can, I never think I can get out of that. I mean, I've been cursing all my life, man. I've been using profanity all my life. Man, I'm trying, man, but women just bother me, man. You know, and, and man, I, I, I don't want to steal, but it's fun stealing, man. I, I, I just like fire. I like to burn things down. That's what you call a pyromaniac. Oh, oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Well, I just like to burn fires. Weird. It's a bunch of people in California. We're weird, man. They call us the granola syndrome state. Why? You're either a fruit, a flake, or a nut. <laughs> They're crazy people. We, we see people, they're weird. Go, oh, granola. That's it, granola. Granola. And, and so, so what I'm trying to say to you, if I may, is that, that it says that God had given us this, this agent, this agent called the third person of the, of the trinity or the triunity of the power of, the, of a Godhead. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You will never see the word Trinity in the Bible. You will never see the word millennium in the Bible either. But they're there. All over you see, well, you see the, the, the God. For example, when Jesus was baptized, okay, Jesus was getting baptized at the sun. The sun's getting baptized. There's a voice that comes from where? From heaven. And the Holy Spirit came in the form of a what? There you see, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you can't deny it. But to trying to explain it, forget it. Forget it. It's like trying to explain to you what's it, what, what's it, what are the ingredients of chorizo? <laughs> the best thing, if you like chorizo, don't ask what's in it. Because <laughs> you'll be a vegetarian, I'll convince you that. So the, just enjoy it. I don't want to know. I started asking him when she said, oh, it's lips and snout. No, stop there. No, 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 no. Just stop there. Just serve it. Just get, let me have it. I'd rather not know in the name of Jesus. <laughs> so trying to explain the Trinity to some people, you know, it, it's like you can't. And sometimes it doesn't, it's not about logic. But Christianity is not about logic. You see, logic to you and I comes by five entrances, what we call the five portals of logic. What are the five portals? A portal is an entry. The five portals. Well, people say, I won't believe it until I, okay, sight. Or like Thomas said, I don't believe he's alive until I, what? That's another one. Okay, they said, oh, man, this burger, oh, it's good, has blue cheese and chili verde inside with chorizo, and you say, nah, and you go, wow, there's the third one, smell, 
let me take a bite. And then you grab it. Boom. And then there's one more. You got to taste it. Now your logic's convinced. Dude, it is good. Why? Because I saw it. (laughs) I heard you enjoying it. And then I touched it. I took a bite. And it is. You see, now you came to that conclusion. But the Holy Spirit is not based on logic. For we walk by faith, not by sight. You understand that? The Holy Spirit comes upon you and it causes you to say things like you never said, like to your spouse of over 15 years, honey, I love you. And, you, and if you never said to your wife lately, she'll say, what do you want? <laughs> oh, come on, it's 11 o'clock in the morning. What? No, I just love you. Aw, what happened? When you start a fight, oh, there's a fight. Not that you started, you know, women always started, not us. And you start a fight. The Bible says to Solomon, any fool can start a fight, but it takes a wise man to stop one. I'm not wise. I don't know how to stop a fight with my wife. But the Bible says that when the Holy Spirit comes, the ability to say things like, I'm sorry. It was my fault. I was wrong. See, those words are not natural. We like to believe that everybody's wrong. We live in the trinity of egocentricity. So some bad words, huh? The trinity of egocentricity. What is that? Me, myself, and I. The moment Jesus comes into your heart, and, and, and then the governor of the Holy Spirit begins to govern your will and your heart. All of a sudden, you are doing things you thought you would never do. All of a sudden, you're approached by some thug, and you're a thug yourself. And there it is, two pit bulls. But now you've been touched. The governor of your will, the governor of your heart, convinces you. And it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a multi-nanosecond decision. It goes into your heart. First of all, you want to react like the past, like you want to say, hey, whatever, man. And all of a sudden, within that second, within a fraction of a second, in a nanosecond, the circuitry just goes in there. It goes, boom, boom, to your heart, to your conscience, to your will, to your thought, Jesus, boom, your wife and everything. And you come and say, you know, sorry, man. And the guy feels bad. Yeah, yeah, you rancor. That's right. And you know you're not a rancor. You know you could beat that silly fool. <laughs> Any fool can start a fight, but it takes a wise man to stop one. And you walk away, Renee. Just walk away. Just walk away. You go, wow. No one told me. You see, I served in the military, and every other word was a French fry word. Every word. That's the way I talk. I didn't care. The only one that I did not speak the French fry language was my mother. But my brother, my neighbors, everyone I dealt with, the bank tellers, hey man, hey, French fries this, French fry that. And it's like, dude, you're silly. I don't care. French fry? <laughs> you know what I mean by that, right? 
No one told me to stop. All of a sudden, when the Spirit came upon me, I realized this is not right. I began to say things like, no, no, I'm, I'm sorry. And I, I got to the point where if I say anything like, I said, that's, that's stupid. I, I feel bad. Give me that word, stupid. So I changed it now, imbecile. Sounds so eloquent. <laughs> imbecile. That's the, the right words. See, uh, I, one guy, when I went to school, one guy cussed me out. But he cussed me out so good, I didn't know what he said. <laughs> it says, you're just a globular glob of, of, uh, oh, wait a minute. You globular glob of, oh, man. The whole point is that I look it up, he says, you're a fat, round ball of grease. <gasps> he cussed me out in the scientific way. <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's bad. Whoa. But that was like the next day after I went to Daniel Webster's, I said, wow, he cussed me out. He, he cussed me out good. So not that I want to do that through the Holy Spirit now. I, it's a controlling thing that God controls us. What does the Spirit do? Well, what he does, he unites us to Christ at the moment of conversion. He causes you to believe. He places you into Christ's body. And he's the bond that makes you belong to Jesus Christ. So we're now members of the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit assures you that you belong to God as he teaches you to call God Abba, Father. Also, he, he is God's seal of ownership. And the Holy Spirit becomes a guarantee of complete salvation. The Holy Spirit came as that down payment. Jesus said, and Paul said it too. He says, the Holy Spirit was given to us as a down payment, a, a, an endearment payment. Now, what was a down payment? Well, you know what a down payment is. If you, we have garage sales in L.A., and you go to fufu areas where they have some good stuff. So I would never go to my, my town. I don't want to look at stuff. But you go to the fufu areas, and they got good stuff. It's their junk. It's treasure for us. And, but, you know, but, but you're not Diamond Jim. You only got like 50 bucks. And then you see something you like, and you go, oh, I like this dresser. How much is it? It's 100. I tell you what, I only got 50. Pretend this is 50. This is 50. He says, I'm going to come back. So if I don't come back, she keeps the 50. So I have given her a down payment, and I'm going to go home, and I'm, uh, I'm going to try to steal some money from my, my wife's purse and take money. <laughs> and so I'm going to go back, and I said, here is. So my $50 down payment was a, a promise that I made. The Holy Spirit was given to us as a promise that he will come for us. Amen? Okay, so he says, so he says, you can do what pleases God because the Spirit of God gives you power. He is your life and he is your strength. This is why you must not ignore him or try to live the Christian life without depending on him. His work will not cease. Listen, his work will not cease until it is completed at Christ's second coming, when our bodies will be transformed to be like Christ's body. Philippians 3, verse 20, 21. So, with that in mind, with that scripture in mind, the Bible says 
that we will not be complete until the day of Christ. Now, let me ask you, are we, are we, is this the days of Christ right now? No. So, by simple arithmetic deduction, if this is not the day of Christ, and if the day of Christ comes, we're going to be complete. So, if this is not the day of Christ, well, the results means that we're not. We're not what? So, that tells me you're still off the wall, and I'm still off the wall in certain areas. We conquer certain areas, all right? The drinking stopped. The madness has ceased. We understand where we're going. We have a purpose. But the world, the flesh, our memory bank, and the devil, the battle still rages on. It's getting worse and worse. It's tough being a Christian man nowadays. There was a days in, when I was young that we have to procure an 8-millimeter or 16-millimeter reel-to-reel to go crazy, if you know what I mean. We call them stag parties. Nothing but guys. Hey, who knows how to put the reel? I, I, don't, I thought you did. So we got to look for someone who knows how to put the reel. So we got to get a kid from AV High School, audiovisual, who can put it on for us. It's just a little reel like this. And it's hard to procure to see those nasty flicks. Now, comes in your cell phone. Now, a click. Pancho, you're talking like you had experience with this. Listen, I, I'm looking for something decent. We homeschool our children. They're not, they're not allowed to go in the computer to look for anything on Google for images. Because there's some things on Google that you see and... And, and, and as a man, I'm telling you, I was looking for the White House. And don't go into that. It, it, because they, they entrap you. I was looking for the White, White House, and it says everything with the White House and everything. And you go, well, that? Okay, I want to know about the White House. You go, well, yeah, that's not the White House. <laughs> and that's not the crack house either. It ain't the firehouse, the crack house, nor the White House. It's the whorehouse. And you go, oh, Lord, I wasn't looking for this. You know, and the power of the, of, of the mouse, for, some, for whatever reason, is slow to reach that mouse to change it. It just takes low. I got I got it. You can't find the mouse, so you say. <laughs> I'm being honest with you. After I seen that flash, you ever heard that, those two words, subliminal? Anybody has heard that? How many have never heard that word subliminal? Raise your hand if you've never heard it. Okay, I ain't going to tell you, brother. No. You can see a picture. You can see a picture. For example, you're watching that screen. In a matter of a fraction of a second, there's a picture of a Coca-Cola bottle. And all of a sudden... You say, man, I feel like having a Coke. Why? Because there was an image there. It was only a, a fraction of a second. As you're watching it, and you, boom, it comes in and it gets stuck. Last Wednesday at our service, from Ezekiel chapter 25, God gave, him a, 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 God gave Ezekiel a parable that, it, that the Jerusalem is going to be like a boiling pot, a cauldron. 
a boiling pot. So I started using, you know, an example of cooking this Mexican stew called cocido. And I'm a cook, and I start telling them what I do and I, how I boil it slowly and so forth. And I skim the fat. You don't want to eat, you know, that with fat. You take the fat out, and you don't want to traumatize the meat. You want to put it on low fire so the meat don't know what's happening. <laughs> so I went through all that, and, and it, it, it sounded more like a cooking doctrinal teaching. Well, I, I came through with it, and I proved my point. I had PowerPoint. I proved my point that you know, what was going on theologically. But at the end of the day, all these women were going by. Just because of you, I got to go shopping, go, go make menu. I got to go make cocido. I mean, it's like I put that in their heads. I put it in their mind. I put it in their heart. And we got out of church at 9 o'clock, and they want to go to the market to go buy all that stuff. Why? Because I influenced them just by images and just by explaining how delicious it was. And so there are messages today, men, that are coming left and right. It's affecting the men. You need to be accountable. If you are a pornographer, you look at it. It's best to tell someone if you're married, expose yourself. Because if you get busted, getting busted in confession are two different reactions. You understand that? Even in the court of law, if you give yourself in, you surrender, versus you getting busted here on Highway 25, and say, we arrested him, or he came to the station and he volitionally turned himself in. Do you know the judge is going to have mercy on you because you turned yourself in? It, it, God is much better than a human judge. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, not only to forgive us of our sins, but here it is. Are you ready for this one? And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So here you are. You love Jesus. You're walking with Jesus. But there is a stain. There's a blemish. There's a little crook in your walkness. And you don't know why you're walking crooked. Walk in the Lord. Walk in the Spirit. And you're walking like this. Now nobody's watching you that you're walking like that. You're walking normal. But you, in your own heart, you're walking crooked. You come to church, you're angry. Nobody sees you walking like that. But that's how you are made to feel. Because sin begins to eat at you. Like a diabetic not taking care of himself. A little toe goes here, another toe. And then pretty soon, the whole foot, little by little, you are being diminished. There's no power. You believe. You don't, you're not a party guy. You're not on the street. You're, you're not way on the street. But you're also not in the fellowship of Christ. You're not empowered by the Spirit of God. A lot of people say, well, you know what? I'm going through changes. Well, listen. The world's sorrow and Christian sorrow, two different things. The Bible always has a contrast. The old man and the the Old Testament and the, so there's, we can walk by the Spirit or we can walk by the, okay? There's always two contrasts. There's a different kind of sorrow that the world experiences because they have no hope. They have no mediator. They have no peace. They don't, they don't believe in anything. And therefore, when they experience sorrow, sorrow is sorrow. Human sorrow is human sorrow. But when they don't have a depository, 
and a rep repository. When death comes upon you, you become the depositor of terror or grief or pain or death. It's deposited on you. Now, when, when it's deposited on you, we need a, a, a redepositor. In other words, we need to unload somewhere else. And when people don't have where to go, they keep it all in and they're in trouble. Paul says, for the sorrow of the world produces what? Death. But the sorrow of the believer produces works unto what? Repentance. What a difference. The same sorrow, but a different manifestation and a different result. Because we have an advocate. We have someone that understands us. He was tempted in all points, just like all of us, yet without sin. When you say, Lord, you don't know what I'm going through, please don't pray like that. If, I, if you can remember this, when, when you're going through something, please don't say that. Oh, Lord, you don't know what I'm going through. It is us who don't know the excruciating pain that Jesus went for you and I. You don't know that. It was excruciating. That's where we get the word, from the Latin word, excruse, from the cruz, excruciating. That's where, the, that's where that English word comes from. It was experiencing the pain of someone being crucified to death. Don't pray like that. The Bible says that God is an advocate, that if we fall, that we can repent. But we need to confess. See, when you don't have the ability to confess, it is when the Spirit of God is no longer working with us. You know, read it on your own, Ephesians 6, and you'll see, oh, Ephesians 5. Is it Ephesians 5? Hang tight. I used to sniff glue, man, and sometimes it just gets to me. Yeah, it's Ephesians, it's Ephesians chapter 6. Forgive me, chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. He says, now that you have the Holy Spirit, this is what is expected of you. But let me close with this. A lot of people, I've been a Christian for 30, 35 years. I've been a leader for 36 years. I've been an elder for probably around 30 years. I've only been a pastor for 20 years. I don't have it all together. But I came to a scripture that just radicalized my whole life. Jesus spoke about love, right? He says, this is the gifts that God gives you. This is the fruit of the Spirit. And what's number one on the list? Love. Jesus said, by this the world will know that you are my disciples. By what? Paul the Apostle said, if I spoke the, the, the language of angels, but have not love, I'm nothing. Even if I know all the mysteries of God, and yet if I do not love, I'm nothing. Even if I give all my money to the poor, or even sacrifice my body for other people, if I have not this kind of love, I'm nothing. The manifestation of love is not telling people, or driving down the highway, or going here, I love you, I love you, I love you. That's not what God is saying. That's, that's imbecility. God doesn't want you to go walk around, go to Walmart with your little car. I love you. 
Hi, I love you. Peace. That's not what he's speaking about. Love is when you have the ability to seek other people's welfare. To defend those that cannot defend themselves. I was at a pharmacy. You know, because out of, out of privacy, you got to stand like 12 feet, right? And there's a line for privacy because they're talking about their medicine. So I was here. And there's an old man. Just old man. And he had a, a hat. World War II veteran. And he had all the markings of, you know, of that generation. So he went. And he goes... I need my, my, my medicine. And the girl behind, some little snot. I call him a cha-cha girl. You know. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, the wet hair look, but it's not wet, it's just dry, but it looked like wet. And she says, what? I need my medicine. What's your last name? Humphrey. What? Humphrey. Humphrey. I can't understand you, sir. What is it? And, and now I'm in the back. Forget the privacy line. Now I'm getting one step closer. <laughs> and now she is getting nasty with this man. Now, you see, some people think that anger is not God-given. You know that anger is God-given? He says, be angry, yet do not. I was angry. I wasn't about to sin, but I was angry. He's, he's an American. He's a hero. He's an aged man looking for his medicine. And this little cha-cha girl is, is talking trash to him. I went upstairs and she went, excuse me, sir, get behind the line. I said, oh, no, 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 no. I said, this is a man. This is a human being. He has the, you should have the dignity to respect this man. He's old enough to be your great-grandfather. You see his hat? He's an American. He fought for this country. And I noticed you're an immigrant. And I noticed it because if it wasn't for him, you wouldn't be in this country. I said, I don't like the way you speak to this man. Well, I think, no, no, don't speak to me like that. I said, you don't speak like that. You don't speak, get, don't speak to me like that. In fact, I don't want to even speak to you. Let me speak to your supervisor. I, okay, <laughs> boom, boom, supervisor came. And the supervisor tried to say, I said, listen, don't play that game like her. You're above that. And I told him what he did. He goes, I'm so sorry. Oh, see, that changes everything. I'm so sorry, sir. I'm sorry. See, there's, there's, a, there's a sedative when people speak with a soft word. It takes away the wrath. And I said, so I was talking to the man. I said, welcome home, sir. Thank you for serving. Huh? And I go, oh, wait a minute. Oh, I forgot to turn it on. I go, well, no wonder, man. Turn it on, man. No wonder. Poor girl. I feel bad for her afterwards. He couldn't hear. Oh, no. Oh. And so he was at fault, but, but you understand? And so I defended someone that couldn't defend themselves. It is no longer about defending turf. It's no longer about who you are. It's about how can I help? I'm a man of God. How can I become a, a, a functional member in my community? Because you see the community. I've seen your community. I've been coming here to Belen. And I've been coming here for the last 10 years. And every time I come, Belen 
changes. You may not see it, but I see it. There's a lot of drugs. There's a lot of alcoholism. There's a lot of madness. Men, we need to be different. And the only way you can be different is when you go to trials and tribulation because people say, I just don't have love. Go to Romans chapter 5, and I'll close with this because I think I'm over my time, forgive me. But you started late anyway. <laughs> Romans chapter 5. Now check this out. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we say, Amen. Through whom also we as believers have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Amen. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Amen. So the reason I'm asking you, amen, amen, because right now I'm not going to get amens right now, I tell you that. And then Paul says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Uh, I don't know about that. I glory in tribulation. Tribulation is not a good word. It's going through the ringer. But Paul says, I glory. The word says I glory was, I, I, I trip out. I, I, I like it. Whoa, 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 whoa. You like it? Yeah. But let's keep reading because I don't like what you're saying right now. He says, not only do I enjoy tribulation, but I know that I enjoy tribulation because tribulation is going to produce what? Perseverance. What is perseverance? The ability to continue in spite of obstacles and hardships and having patience. And then he says, and I know that perseverance will produce what? Character. That is moral constitution. Your character changes in attitude, in disposition, in worldview, in kindness, in gentleness, in the ability to see with the eyes of Jesus Christ and act like Jesus Christ. Because you're going through changes First, it starts with tribulations, and when you go to tribulation, boom, you graduate. You go, whoa, I got perseverance. I can go. And then when you go, you build character. And then when you're building character, another step, and check this out. It says, and perseverance produces character, and character produces what? Oh, Lord Jesus, I need more hope. But do I have to go through those rounds to come to that? Yes. But what else? What else happens I'll close with this, my friends. He says in verse 5, Now hope does not disappoint. Because when you have hope, man, listen, if you have hope, if you have hope in you, hope is the air and the oxygen of tomorrow. When you have hope, you know, you can be in the darkest place in the world. You, you, you know, I read an account of POW in Vietnam. For six years, he was there in, in the Hanoi Hotel. And what was his comfort? He had not gone to church in years. Now He was not even a Christian. He went back in his mind when he would go to Sunday school as a little boy. And you know the song that he sang every single day? The only song he ever remembered? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells For six years? He says, that's what gave me hope, that one day America would remember me. That's hope, the hope. 
When you have no hope, you become despairing. You become hopeless. When you become hopeless, you begin to feel sorry for yourself. And then sorry and being sorrow is another portal for the enemy. The enemy loves to see you in sorrow. The enemy loves to see you with pride. The, the enemy loves to see you with anger because he works better with those kind of people. And when you have the, the sorrow, you know, man, I'm going through changes. I'm not going to go to church. I try. No, what I can't. And then the enemy just got you. Yeah, what are you going to do at church? Just sit there, stupid or imbecile. You know? No. Now notice what that's it right here. Hope does not disappoint. Here we go. Why? Paul says, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by what? By the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You want to get more of this love? You can't go. You're not going to get it by coming here. You've just been informed how to get it, but you're not going to get it here. You're not going to go to a, a pharmacy and say, I want some, some pills for more love. No. You're going to tribulations, and you go, Pancho, how do I sign up for tribulations? You don't sign up. Please, don't, there's no sign up for that. They're waiting for you at home, or it's tomorrow. Don't sign up anywhere. They'll come. When tribulations come, endure it. If you graduate from the school of tribulation, you enter into another school. It's called the school of perseverance. And when you graduate from that school of perseverance and you get your diploma, you're thinking, I'm done. Oh, no, no, no. Now you got to go to the school of character. You go, oh, man, I've already gone through a lot. But when you graduate, you have a note. Now you have the diploma of hope, and this will never disappoint you. And by the way, this diploma, the diploma of hope, the Holy Spirit will now come upon your heart and fill you with love. That's it. That's it. So, listen. I got to fly out. I don't know the agenda. I don't know if, if, if later on they're going to ask if you want to be baptized of the Holy Spirit. You want the Holy Spirit to come upon you. You can say, I've done that already. Do it again. All I want to do is want to pray for you that if you want to be baptized of the Holy Spirit, for you to stand to your feet, and I'd like to pray with you. And as you're, as you're standing in your own mind, if you're into pornography right now, just, just the Bible says that, that if we confess, you don't have to confess to me or no one. You confess to him. You just tell him, Lord, I am what I am. It is what it is. Lord, I'm not a good husband. I don't even, I don't even love my wife anymore. Put love in my heart. I hate my job. I hate my job. Thank God you got a job, man. Thank God you got a job. He says, I hate my job. Give me a love for my job. Whatever it is. Father, in the name of Jesus, as these men are standing, the, the grand theme of our fellowship with you is that it's a personal relationship. You know our hearts. You know the condition. You know the madness. You know the confusion. You know the voids, you know the necessities, you know the brokenness, you know the bankruptcies, you see the disappointments, you see the lack of discipline, but Lord, you also see our dedication that we want to do what is right. We just can't do it. We need to be guided, endowed, and operated by the work and the name 
and the office of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, all of us, we're here. We ask you that you baptize us in the Holy Spirit, that you make us the men you want us to be, that we would no longer be the same, that, Lord, that the evidence of our character will be so obvious that the very people that knows us, our friends, our neighbors, our family and coworkers, they know that something happened this week. That they will know that I am transformed, not because I'm a good person, but because you're a great God, the great God of mercy. You have called us for good purposes. We are your workmanship, created for good works. May your Holy Spirit now provide comfort for each and every person that's here. Thank you. May you be blessed as we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Love you.